Thanks for listening to Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. It has been said that history is really His story, the story of God showing His grace and mercy to the people He has created. That grace and mercy is on clear display in the Gospels as we see our Jesus living and dying for the sins of the world. But His story continues. The story of the early Christian church is his story as well. We are glad that you have chosen to read that story with us, as together we read chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. We'll review the stories of God's grace and mercy on his infant church, and celebrate that same grace and mercy that we know and experience today. We are glad to have you studying and growing with us. Here's the next episode of our podcast and the discussion of the next chapter of the book of Acts. We're so glad that you're back to hear another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast. Thank you for being a faithful listener. I'm Pastor Brian Hockman, one of the pastors here at Grace, and I'm here with my friend and co-worker here at Grace, Pastor Jim Hebner. How are you today, Pastor Hebner? I'm fine. Pastor Hockman, great to be here once again and do podcasting and chatting and catching up a little bit, but especially on these uh, cool chapters that we're digging into in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. There's so much good stuff to talk about, and you're doing okay today? I am doing well. I am really glad to hear that. Ask, yeah. ask me what I had for lunch today. Well, I have to ask you for lunch, yeah. about your lunch. Yeah, sure. I had a cheeseburger from Cops, frozen custard. How in the world? So, <laughs> yeah, you must have uh, not come down to the office early morning Which unless you fantastic. took a little ride out or something. Uh, my second oldest, Kylie, had a volleyball camp that got done out at Luther Prep today. So. Oh, Trisha asked if she could go and watch their final scrimmage and awards and everything. So yeah. I was on dad duty this morning. Yeah, there you go. Ended up being out near there, and it was Heath Bar uh, was the ice cream flavor of the day. There, so what well, can't go wrong? We with did that, a burger right? and some ice cream or some frozen yeah. custard. Yeah, and I and I not too long ago I got a chance to toss in the uh, custard turtle sundae melting. <laughs> In a sermon reference, so <laughs> I guess I think everybody could picture that on a ninety degree day. But uh, that was that's down in my old neck of the woods. I grew up on ninety second and Layton, oh, and yeah. sixteen blocks in either direction was cops on seventy sixth and Layton. And I don't know if you're remembering this or were ever aware there was an Omega frozen custard. I'm aware of Omega, it's not there anymore, right. but it's a Denny's now. But yeah. Uh, that was 16 blocks the other to way. the west of us. Yeah, yeah. So we were smack dab in the middle. We Did could you get go custard in any all direction. All the way east down to 27th in Oklahoma to hit the original Leons and the Not Oklahoma. often. Yeah. We had too many good choices within a mile right, of our right, house. Right. But um that that uh, basis for the sitcom, you know, the I happy was, days. Yeah. Over in your neck of the woods, I'm curious how you pronounce the name of the custard stand well, in your neck of the, the woods. People in our neighborhood say Gillies, even though it's you know Gillis or whatever. Gillis, yeah. But a lot of people still say Gillies. They they just do. I, I read an article that said it's Gillis, and yeah. the employees have all been instructed never ever to correct anyone. Let let them pronounce it the way they want to pronounce yeah. it. The neighborhood they say Gillies with an e <laughs> yeah, sound is right. Of Gillis, I think citywide. I think citywide that's kind of the deal. But. Yeah, yeah. Like there's an ie on the end. There's not. <laughs> Yeah, it makes it sound uh, 
Adorable. Yeah. It makes it sound cute if you say Gillies, right? Well, you have to have those uh, once in a while historic references, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And so that was, and, and I was almost going to parenthesize, by the way, in that sermon too, about the, I had a th- reference to uh, the Lucy and Ethel trying to wrap chocolates on a fast moving conveyor belt, knowing on purpose that only older people would get that reference. <laughs> but I almost parenthetically said, by the way, if you want to know, check a YouTube because it'll pop up right away. Okay. You type in Lucy and the conveyor belt scene and you will die of laughter. You ever seen it? I have seen a few episodes, yes. And, but I mean that, that, oh, that particular, particular one. It's, well, it sounds familiar what you're describing. It'll be, I don't it'll know. be enough of a wetting your appetite that now speaking of custard, but, um, if we finish podcasts and have time, you just have to call up YouTube and just okay. type in, and then it's it's you, you can't stop it. The laughter is just too. But I knew I knew that none of the young people would catch it. They would be over there. But there once in a while, I got to throw that into let the old people have their ears perk up a little. <laughs> I had a reference in a sermon recently where I said something similar. I understand I'm going to lose half the audience with this, but. Yeah. It's, this illustration okay. is too perfect. <laughs> I'll describe what it is for the rest yeah. of you. What, what was that? Yeah. Oh, lifestyles of the rich and famous. Yeah. See, that's a, yeah. What is that? Yeah, who knows? Oh, well. And that and and my reference goes back, you know, to the late fifties, early sixties. So that's really dated. You did, you did beat me. You win. Yeah. But um, any rate, I'm glad you had that experience and could do a cops. Uh, so burger and Sunday or burger, burger and, and Sunday? Yes. Oh man, you're set. You don't need supper I today. Will not so that, having supper, uh, and I didn't finish. That's the enough calories even. for two, three days, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's like eating McDonald's fries. You know, and I, I someone I care about deeply would say, "Why chew up? But just take them right in your veins. That's where they're going anyway." <laughs> <laughs> In other words, you probably shouldn't be eating those. They're not very healthy for you. (laughs) It was a very funny and loving way to say. (laughs) But I I admit I enjoy them, you know, so that's right. (laughs) Those are one of those those foods that has a shelf life. You've got to have them within like... Sometimes even you yeah. t- take them through the drive-through and drive around for a little bit, and they're no if, good. If they by get, the time cold, you get cold and soggy, that's not a can't, good thing. Can't but. reheat those either. Just certain foods you eat and certain you don't. Does that remind me of Acts chapters fifteen? Yeah, by the I way. guess so. so. Here's our transition, right? <laughs> yes. So we're here to talk about way to get us out of this one. Good job. <laughs> so it's going to get us right into Acts fifteen. So here we are, right? The apostle um, Paul and companions had completed journey one. And, you know, the years, you're off by a year or two, it can, it's fine, but I'm always in my head 47, 48, and we're probably now, after they stayed there in Antioch, which is of Syria in that corner of the Mediterranean Sea, in its northeast corner there of the water, uh, Syria, they're, they're headquartered there uh, for their missionary journeys. But now, as time goes by, there is a dispute happening because... The question comes up while in Syria up there in Antioch, all these people coming to faith are Gentiles, and do they need to follow Jewish rules yet or not? Or are they, even behind that would be the question, are they on the same level as we are? Yes, you know, Jewish people who are now Christians, what about Gentiles? Are they equal the same or what what's what's the deal and this was became heated you know the way the chapter starts off by the way this always kind of cracks me up too because i have to honestly admit that from for many 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 years it just always bothered me that some men came down from judea to antioch 
And I know full well on going, the map that north. Antioch is 300 miles north. So you don't go down. It's like people who, in uh, Minnesota saying that they're going to, they're you know, you're, you're going to come down, you're in Milwaukee, you're coming down to New Ulm, or you're going to go, we're going to go up to Milwaukee. No, look at a map. New Ulm <laughs> is straight across from like Green Bay or Oshkosh, you know. No, you got to, it's, it's oh, west, but you got to go up from Milwaukee, you know. It's, I have a guess. Is this the same way that they talk about Jerusalem being yeah. up to Jerusalem and right. then down anywhere else? Any any direction. So even though it's Judea, it's higher. Here, <laughs> right. So if you're going to go to anywhere, north, south, east, or west, you're going to go down from Jerusalem because you're going downhill. Right. That was so hard for me to get a, in my head <laughs> when you're traveling north. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. But so that makes me smile to start with. The chapter starts with a, a good reference, and my childhood comes back, and I go, duh. <laughs> But, you know, with this requirement, they're just thinking that if you really are going to be a believer, well, you know, you can't really go to heaven unless you have followed these Jewish customs that were around, taught by Moses. And that, of course, you know, you have these people coming from uh, from Judea, and they're actually teaching that. Well, you know, that now Paul and Barnabas are going to get right in their face and say, stop it. No. Right. Which would indicate for you not just an adherence to this circumcision as a ritual, but also like you've got to become Jewish. Otherwise you're second rate yeah. right? is what the Gentiles are being told essentially. Well, what, what the core of it is, is when you read the letter of Galatians, this, the way I kind of summarize that is, you know, cause this subject comes up too, again, is circumcision or not Jewish rules or not Judaizers or teaching. It's, are you going to be with God by what you do or by what you receive? Either you do or God does. And as soon as you get, the, you're pitting that, that's what, that's what the issue is here. Either you're close to God because of what God alone did, or I do, or God does some and I do something. If, if, if I'm involved in the doing, now I'm outside of the Bible's message and now I'm I'm in danger of losing my connection to God. So that's, so, where, that's the bottom line. Sounds mighty similar to the illustration about the sacraments is this god down from right. heaven to me uh-huh. offering forgiveness or is baptism lord's supper my am, actions right am towards I, god as a sacrifice and yeah is baptism a commitment i make to god right. no it's the other way around 180 degrees it's a vertical down from god to us not the other way and that's really the core of this right as soon as somebody travel here we go down from jerusalem <laughs> or judea and is teaching people you got to follow you do you do something whatever it is this time it's going to be a Jewish rule about circumcision and stuff and then if you do you now you're okay with God. no and so right. Paul and Barnabas are in their face and stop it stop it stop it stop it you mentioned comparison to the book of Galatians there's two different theories about when that book was written yeah one of them and I think the best. I personally feel a better argument yeah. is the earlier date, which would be right at this same time. Yeah. So in either right before or after this this uh, synod convention down in Jerusalem. Listen to me, down in Jerusalem. That's map talk. <laughs> I should have said up in Jerusalem. But at the synod convention they're going to have now in Acts 15, Paul writes this letter either right before or after. It fits perfectly, I think, in my mind. He's writing to those congregations with the same kind of issue. It's you do or God did. Right if you're connected to him forever. So I think it's a beautiful thing. And uh, yeah, so that, that, that gets us. So off they go, right? So they're sent as delegates, Paul and Barnabas, correct? 
They are. And send them on their way, and you got to go down on the map and up on the hill right through Phoenicia, Samaria, and they, they're, they're telling us great news about how Gentiles are coming to faith, and they're welcomed by all the leaders in Jerusalem. And right. uh, they're chosen to be the delegates because they can give the same report that the Antioch church just received yeah. after their after their journey. Look at this. The gospel is being received by Gentiles. Like the church is growing. God's blessing the yeah. the mission zeal uh and efforts that are, are being done here. Right. Now they get to go give they're gonna give the world mission report down at the that's it. convention that's in it. Jerusalem because that's, they that's, were the guys. That's the board for world missions yeah. is gonna have a report. And they're usually <laughs> when you go to a synod convention, you know that they're the most exciting sometimes. They sure are. They're all the reports are exciting. Okay, I'll have to admit I enjoy the reports. <laughs> but the world mission one knocks your socks off and brings a tear to your eye and it's I can I can think back to early in my minutes, probably even still now because I'm so scared, you know, that is here am I if world missions here might send somebody else. But uh that's one where you hear those reports you say, okay Lord, you send me. I'll I'll do that. Yeah. You know, that you get excited about it. So. Paul and Barnabas probably still had some scars from um, so the world mission report when here's the city yeah. on the PowerPoint slide where, they, the where they stoned me and <laughs> that's where this guy comes I'll from. I'll show you the bruise yeah. and the scar here. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they could, they could see this is what happens. What a powerful thing that must have been in Goodness. in Jerusalem to see um, to see these these missionaries, these guys, yeah, to to know that there is another church, right, a sister church in Antioch yeah. that's got this zeal just like they did to spread the gospel and it's, it's just to stand back and be in awe of what God's doing with this baby yeah. church and how He's causing it to grow. I know we want to you know keep the the podcast related to these chapters in Acts, not the longest and all because, but you could go phrase by phrase and word by word, and you just you could talk about all these. But I I can't resist you know a couple of these things that strike me. Like um, when they're rep- like we just talked about, they're reporting about Gentiles coming to faith, and then you know right here in this part of the chapter, once they get to the Jerusalem area, you got some of the believers who were of the Pharisee party, who are now saying what those who had gone up to uh, Antioch and Syria were saying that you got to be circumcised. But that 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 statement in itself, there were actually believers in Jesus, Christians, from the Pharisee party group. That's remarkable in itself. Did, were they were they a little off kilter here? Little, you know, were they off kilter when it came to the circumcision rules? Of course, but that they're, you know, the Pharisees. We always lump in with Matthew chapter twenty three, the worst enemies that Jesus had to face. Yep. Right, and uh, work righteous as they were, and illustrating with the story he tells about the Pharisee and the tax collector. But, but they were actually like Nicodemus. Pharisees who came to faith in Jesus Christ, some very strong, like a Nicodemus, some not so strong, and they had to have correction. But I just think that's an interesting statement. Do you think that Paul himself had a hand in in any of that as a Pharisee himself? <laughs> you, you wonder, because, now he's been gone for a while. He's been gone, but... Right. If Paul, our leader, if Paul, the the most outspoken and prominent of, yeah. in our group, in the Pharisee is group. now out proclaiming the gospel, I mean that'd be enough to give someone some pause, give, give some and pause, right? Reflect a little bit. I just think it's something you can't, you know, run by too fast. That, that's that's a pretty cool thing. So they get there, and it's really interesting that 
as Peter gets up and addresses things, he's going to refer, you know, he's not the synod president. That's coming later. That's Jesus' half-brother James. And he's. And we talked about this once in a podcast, too, about the different Jameses that were around. There were two in the apostles' list of 12, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee, and then there's also James, son of Alphea. This is just James. And so he's just—everybody knows him. And he's like the Mark Schrader of the synod convention. He's the president, you know. But Peter is given an opportunity also to stand up and back up what Paul and Barnabas are reporting about Gentiles coming to faith. And I think that's a really interesting little chunk of this chapter, that you have, when you get to verse 8, God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Spirit to them just as he did to us, which takes you back to chapter 8, that whole thing that we had. That's come up a few times. Right? You know, that we had chapter 8, chapter 10, in these references about the Spirit being given and these special miraculous or whatever was happening so and sometimes in chapter 8 it was confusing to our to bible readers because there's a delay but that was more for the sake of the people in Jerusalem as we talked about in that right. podcast and here it is a reinforcement of what we talked about there in chapter 8 peter is basically saying just that i that's just a cool connection i think here so um the one interesting thing, too, I found in like verse 11 of this chapter, uh, no, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Is he re- is Peter referring to the Gentiles or is he referring to the Israelite forefathers? You know, the previous verse. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers had been able to bear? No, we believe through the grace of it we are saved just as they are, their ancestors or the Gentiles. And it, it doesn't pre- matter. It doesn't matter. It's you could be either tense, one. Right? Just yep. as they are, not were. So maybe but, Gentiles? But anse- yeah, but ancestors are alive in heaven. So, you know, alive and saved so in it, a status of being saved yeah. or of... It's just fun th- yeah. to, for our, our podcast listeners and Bible readers to think through that there are some passages you read that are clear in God's mind, they're clear in the scriptures, but you can take them in a way, and they're both true statements, and it's not false doctrine to go one way right. or another. It's just an interesting little tidbit there. Well, then when the whole assembly is uh, there, they're going to listen to Paul and Barnabas, and then finally now the synod president gets up and he quotes from scripture in the end of Amos. Um, you know, that, that reminds me too about the, the book of Amos, is nine chapters. Eight and a half is this shepherd with the hammer, right? And he travels from down near Beth, you know, Tekoa, which is a little village. He's a sheep farmer from down south, and he goes in the split divided kingdom to from, the north capital. From up south. Yeah, right. yeah that's right. Yeah, up south. <laughs> and, and, and he's, he's, he's you know, he's, he's smelling of out the all outdoors and like a sheep pen, you know, it looks terrible. He's got probably about three teeth, you know, and stuff. And he's ho- <laughs> hollering at this, in this gilded, uh, you know, be- beautiful uh, palace of the king of the northern kingdom, right? You know, all these guys in there. And there are Savile Row suits, you know, and they're, they're polished shoes and everything. And, and they're uh, sitting on thrones and all covered in gold. And he's got, he's trailing in sheep dip off his sandals on their <laughs> floor and carpet, you know, and stuff. And he's yelling at them that their wretched unbeliever is going to be damned unless they trust it. You know, that's for eight and a half chapters. And at the very end of this, here's just the last half of Amos chapter nine. With beautiful gospel promises. How can he switch gears that fast? Well, 
I'm sure there's been sermons that we preach that are pretty much a lot of law because the text is that way, and there's gospel, gospel near the end. But that's what he's quoting here, that beautiful section that uh, the, the good news of the saving love of God goes to all, including Gentiles, which is James' point. So let's not make it difficult for these people. So what's your take, though, Pastor, on when you get into verses 19 and following with what they thought? You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be close to God, it's what Jesus did for you, period. And Gentiles, Jew, anybody, you're in, right? But we're gonna ask that also. Would you please abstain from the food polluted by idols, sexual immorality, meat strangled, uh, strangled animals, and from blood? So what? Yeah, you know, is that doesn't it, that sound like they're going to say, okay, some we're of the, the same level? Some you of still... the Jewish laws are are good, and, yeah, <laughs> but not all of them. Yeah, this is like a. I would say it's this is a good practice for promoting unity, right? I don't. I don't think the council is saying these are the laws that still apply and it's sinful. Yeah. To avoid them. Well, I, but, I think it's not. You're not. I don't think we know. Yeah. <laughs> they're not. But they're rec- not putting rule, rules rules re- out of. Recognize that there's two different backgrounds and perspectives yeah. and among the people. Right. And, and being staunch on one side or the other is going to promote disunity yeah. and it's going to cause discord. Yeah. And so, what's the loving thing to do? Yeah. Um, I, it's a Christian freedom thing, is what's that's being exactly here, what right? it is, right? They're not they're not saying to the Gentile Christians, "Here are Old Testament laws; they're all abrogated; they're all done away with by Christ." Except these few. Except you got to no, do no, this. no, no. You still have like work to do in order to be saved and be a close. No, 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 no. That's that's they're very clear. If you're going to be close to God, it has everything to do with what God did. Period. You're done. It's just it's done for you by the Savior Jesus Christ. And as you live out your Christian life, though, and intersect with one another horizontally, it's it's a spirit of love and compassion and care and concern, sympathy, empathy for the fellow Christian. So um, that's it's not new rules that or the Gentiles have to jump through hoops in order to be on the level of the J- Jewish Christians. It's just. Won't you be so kind as to right. have a consideration for your fellow Christians who, really, in in this picture, actually, it's the Jewish Christians who are. Can we use the word weak? You know, they're right. they're, they don't have a full. They're still cling, freedom clinging yeah. to maybe that's to not customs, the right word, but that they but that still they leaning towards these customs that yeah. have been fulfilled already in Christ, right. but have been such a part of their culture and and life that. It's just to hard. just yank the carpet out from under them is going to yeah. cause damage. Right? I, you know, it's just like um, the Jewish Christians too knew full well that all those rules are gone. They don't. They don't have to do this, but they're just so used to it. Imagine, you know, thirty years or you know, three decades, four, five, or six decades of a certain life pattern and a certain dietary whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, the menu is open and you can eat. Well, you're just not used to that, and. You're going to have a, a congregation of both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And my illustration I've often used is now it's Easter, right? You're going to have a brunch. And you're all one in Christ. You all have the same Savior, the same forgiveness, the same relationship with God, the same faith. But now the brunch starts. And the Gentile people are bringing bacon, you know, and 
had pork sausages and stuff like that. And Jewish people have never eaten any pork products in their life, you know, and even the very smell of it is going to make them nauseated, you know what I mean? So so they're basically saying to the Gentile Christians, you know, when it comes to Easter brunch, can you at least hold off on the ham for a while? You know, or, or that's kind of the, right? Right. Just for, for the sake of your, you love your Jewish Christians so much. They, yeah, they even know that the menu is open and it's okay for them to eat bacon, but they just can't get themselves to do it, you know? Right. Christian freedom isn't always about I can do, yeah. I'm free to do things. Sometimes it's free to abstain out that, of love for and, those who, which is some, who are around. That's, I, th- I think the best illustration of the use of our freedom is what we're going to give up or abstain from for the sake of, out of concern for and of love for my fellow Christian. And uh, it, it really is a very loving thing that they're asking them to do because there were some things, you know, the Jewish folks— if if you're going to eat chicken, you know, you, you go out in the backyard and you grab a chicken, you don't wring its neck, right, and pull off the feathers. and But no, you chop the head off and turn it upside down, drain all the blood out. Then it becomes kosher. The blood is out. That's the kosher. And that's what they were used to. But, you know, the Gentile Christians, they... And it was it was not unusual for... Gentile Christians, as a kid growing up, whether they're you know not Christian yet or whatever, but they had their their idols and their sacrificial devotional acts and worship, whatever it was, and sometimes that would involve just like the Israelites had, where you cut up an animal and you carve it up and you put some meat on the altar and some meat you save for a meal for the family and. Um, the Gentile Christians figured, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to offer any sacrifices to an idol. But it just so happens if I go down to the metro market, you know, and there's meat and it's, you know, and there you got meat that's on sale. It had come from an altar and not all of it was used and sacrificed to the idols. But well, what's the difference? You know, it's instead of, you know, Eight ninety nine a pound. It's five ninety nine a pound. That's good stewardship. Right? That's really good. Right, right. So it's fine. It's who cares? I don't believe in the idols. I and don't the worship idols. Nothing, idols, right? There's idols, nothing. So, so my I, steak sat in front of a block of wood for a little bit. So what? Uh, right, you know. Right. It's uh, but it's really good meat, you know. And it's not wasted. It's not gross. It's not anything like that. And so you just buy it. It's on sale, you know. So we buy that. And well, the Jewish people, that's just a whole problem for them. That it would even this meat may have come from. I had, had come from some ceremony that even if the Gentiles didn't participate in it or what, but that the very fact that they would buy their meat, uh, that would be this meat on sale from, had been used in a sacrificial rite for idols. Well, that would just, so can you hold off on that? And, right. Which Paul brings up in greater detail later on. First Corinthians First 8. Corinthians, yeah. Yeah. First Corinthians chapter 8 <laughs> is a big commentary on this too. And it's think- all for love. Right. I think it's worth noting we drew the comparison between this encouragement here and the letter to the Galatians, which says don't allow yourself to revert back into old ways because yeah. you've got Jesus. I, I think it's worth noting the big difference is what, what are the two parties that are involved? Here it's Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians. Two Christians together. And right. Paul's encouragement is show love. find unity, show love. Yeah, yeah. 
in Galatians, it's Christians and Ju- and Judaizers, unbelievers, right, right, who are saying teaching false no Jesus plus everything else, right. Um, Paul's not encouraging towards unity there. Paul's saying stand up for the truth and don't let yeah. yourself be deceived yeah. by those that are going to come in and preach false teachings. Exactly. So if you would identify that in Galatians, he deals with a similar topic, but in a much stronger and harsher way, yeah. you're right, because that's yeah. what he does. But the context of of who the, the actors are yeah. involved, I think, is really important to remember. Here in Acts 15, it wasn't as though anybody, Jewish or Gentile Christians, are suggesting that your connection to God is by something you do. Right. That's that's out of the picture. They all knew and believed it's Jesus alone. But now when I interact with people who had a different growing up experience, different background, can I show some consideration for you know, some of the another analogy that sometimes helps in today's world that maybe it'd be kind of a crude one, but you know, there there may be a friend or a neighbor or somebody that I know well and we're gonna go to lunch and I know that my friend is a recovering alcoholic and and we're fine i'm so proud of him that he's wrestled and he's in going to be recovering right for his whole life let's just say and we're at lunch well you know we're gonna we're gonna we're not at cops we're gonna go to some place have a burger and a beer right well he's gonna have a burger and iced tea and i'll have a burger and what should you do? Iced tea. Yeah, probably. You know, or water, right? Because for me in that setting, and he knows that it's I'm free to, and he, and I know that he knows I'm free to have a beer, doesn't matter. But for, out of consideration for him, why, why would I just yeah. think? Why you know, make it awkward or difficult yeah, or it's just weird. tempting? Yeah, it's just, so out of or love. Him, or him to feel bad, right? Yeah. You, you want to be right. as loving as you can and. So I don't have a beer. Who cares? It's, you know, I drink iced tea and water. It's just not that big a deal. But love would lead me to say that or think that or do that, right? That's the same thing here. Right. You know, love would lead you, Gentile Christians, you are on the same level with us. We are connected to God. But, you know, out of love, there are some things that are your fellow Christians who had a Jewish background are just not used to. And right. I think it's worth identifying also neither side is putting their foot down and saying this is the way it's got to be. Right. And so now the church can can offer this encouragement yeah. as a way to pr- continue to promote the unity and the love that's already mm-hmm. being fostered there. Um, if one of these sides were to say, "No, it's you're not saved unless you," right? Well, now it ceases to be Christian freedom. You d- and- you don't really get a deep appreciation. You know, we today, okay, today, 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 right? Um, we got to get over our own biases and bigotry and stuff like that and 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 if we have any that are hanging around yet and just enjoy all cultures no matter what their skin color or age difference or economic differences and we blend together in a christian let's say in a christian congregation and but you know in american society maybe there are exceptions in milwaukee maybe one of those cities but you know it we're all together and we get that and we enjoy meals and food together and stuff. You know, we, we know the history in the United States of America and what happened with people's sinful bigotry against African-American cultures and people. Okay. Get that. But the difference and the disparity and the bias and bigotry that 
20 centuries ago, Jewish people had toward non-Jews is stark. It's just remarkably... And, you know, part of it is their fault in that they're sinful, and God had always said, yes, you are the nation that's going to bear the promise of the Savior, and I want to keep you unique and separate, so I'm going to build a hedge around you, a wall, of, you know, fence with all these rules so that you're going to be different from others and not intermarry and mingle and your identity disappears and get absorbed into world culture. I'm going to just build this wall so that you can, A, remember that you're a sitter and every place you turn, you're going to break a rule and you have to say, oh, shoot, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Secondly, you're going to be unique and separate from others so that you don't lose your identity and the savior is born from you, which is what I said is going to happen. And thirdly, some of these rules and a lot of them are going to picture the coming savior. Well, this business of being distinct and separate from other nations never was intended by God to say that other nations can't be saved. So you go through your Old Testament and it's just, it's just, replete with the good news, the Savior is for the nations, for the world, for the nation, for the world. But when you have this nation of Israel that falls away from the promise of the Savior and from God and becomes unfaithful and is then oppressed by other nations, Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome, you get this separatist attitude that becomes nationalistic fervor almost and a bigotry and bias against the Gentiles that's beyond what God had originally intended. And to have the Lord Jesus in his ministry slowly but surely, his three-year ministry, right? And start seeing a little bit in year one that happens more in year two and more and more in year three. He's spending more and more time with the Gentiles. And for Jesus to come to these people and to say, you know, like the Pharisees, stuff like that, and tell them stories about how, you know, the, the farmer is going to send, you know, people to get, and his tenant farmers is going to get the crops, right? And his son comes, they kill him. And they think, well, it's going to be taken from them and given to the Gentile, you know. And, and he's right in their face with telling them the good news is going to go to the Gentile. This is so radical and so strange. And, and we know that when you get to Acts chapter 10 and 11, watch Peter with his, are you kidding? I've got to actually go to Gentile. You know, this, it's not like a, a bunch of people in Milwaukee who are, who are hearing the Savior loves Hispanics and African Americans and Vietnamese and Laotian and Hmong people and Caucasian, all the same. Okay, I'm sorry for my sinfulness. It was just so ingrained, even deeper than any bigotry we have today. Maybe I had to be careful how we say that. It's probably, there's bigotry and bias. It's just as bad. But uh, that was really, really hard for the Jewish folks to get over the fact that Gentiles are part of this saving family of God, saved, you know. So this is this is quite the chapter, building on chapters 10 and 11, this transition into the gospel to the Gentiles. And that takes us to the end of the chapter, where now you have a break, and Paul is ready to go on missionary journey two. Right, we get that... Uh... Uh, a few more words here on the disagreement that they had, that he had with John Mark. And uh, we did identify how interesting it was that at uh-huh. the time that it happened, it just said John Mark left. Uh, okay. Interesting. They went on whatever. Yeah. But now it's uh, Paul's saying he abandoned us and I don't want to go with, I can't trust to go with him yeah. again. Um, so Barnabas picks him up and get a little bit more details. Barnabas 
cousin yeah. to John Mark, and and they go on their they go their way, and their Paul and Silas ways. go Paul the other. Silas start the, what we know as Paul's second yeah. missionary journey. Yeah, and look at even through whatever that was, sin involved. Who knows? But uh, God uses even that, and now now we got two mission teams going. Yeah, they do. And the gospel's uh, spreading even more, and that's that's uh, a wonderful thing. How this chapter really takes us from the counsel into this last bit of introducing journey number. It makes you long for the next chapter, but uh, I think your statement there, Pastor Hockman, is really good because you got two mission teams with the same message going out, and uh, God is going to use that in his kingdom. And we all know that what they're proclaiming is it's most, most certainly, certainly true. Thanks for listening. We'd love to share more about God's love with you. Check us out at www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, our pastor's contact info, and a lot of information about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.